Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi. It's like Groundhog Day doing this it podcast is. with you. It's like Groundhog is. Day. Which is I mean, it's a good thing, not a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. It's but like, it's, but Groundhog Day, you know, is really a, a modern parable. It's like he starts out, you know, you get stuck in the same day over yeah. and over again, and then you try to deal with it through a variety of different methods or a, a progression, you know. So at first, it's just totally... You know, first off, it's just fear, anger, trying to get out. Yeah. Then it's like totally like narcissistic, selfish. It's like I'm gonna live for me, and then it's like desperation. And then he finally just says he gives up. And he starts to just love everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like progression. I haven't gotten That's to the love yet. Know. Just so you know. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know where I am on that, but I maybe one of the desperation, trying to cut a deal with trying to get out of this. <laughs> you know, the stages of grief. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, so you know, we're really blessed because. Uh, Charlie makes us coffee every week. Not every week. Almost every week. This this stuff is from your friend? Yeah. Now, this stuff. This stuff is awesome. I know. It's amazing. This is from a little coffee shop called the Ship, Char- Ship Channel Trading Company. I know I can say that. Uh, the owner is Levi Craig, who is a, a, a friend of mine. And he's one of the only curated coffee roasters in Houston. Which is like, if you're a wine con- connoisseur, it's like one of the wine rating kind of folks that, that are able to rate um, wines. He's able to rate coffee. And so he, is, uh, um, he has a little roasting shop over um, in the kind of near Garden Oaks, Oak Forest, I think, area. And um, so during quarantine, I've been going over and supporting his shop. And it's just... I've never tasted coffee like this in my life. It's what, beautiful. The, the flavor, though, is so unique. Yeah. What is that? So it's a single-source coffee um, from, um, this is from Kenya. And so okay. he knows all the, um, you know, it's a single-source coffee from one farm that he's picked and that he's roasted himself. And uh, we got to go over there sometime. I want to go. It's, and it's amazingly aromatic. I mean, it's like, it was very pleasantly. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a very pleasant experience yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think we're just trying to like talk nice about, we're not trying to sucker him into no, giving I mean, us coffee or anything. You know, we don't we have any sponsors, but a coffee company would I mean, be great. Yeah, I mean, we would never stoop I mean, to you that know level. just throw a bag of beans. Yeah, to a I mean, brother to every a brother once in a while. You know what I mean? You know, we'll mention you or not. I, I'm I'm serious. Heart attack though. That coffee is. I know it's phenomenal. I'm taking that box home with me. You can have it. There's just no coffee in it, but you can have the box. Oh wow. <laughs> Well, so today, uh, you know, in, in all that's going on, I thought you and I talked about it. I thought it would be really neat to invite another friend just to sit and visit with us. There's a lot of unique connections on this because, first, we know him well. I think we can talk about all kinds of stuff, yeah. some serious, some fun. Yeah. Greg Taylor, uh, former Chapwood staff person, former uh, pastor at Mercy Street. He followed you he did. at Mercy Street, yeah. and then he was there for seven years. Left several years away, about at the my first year here, went to work with Revision, Charles Royal Trammell in mm-hmm. here in Houston, right. and now he has just moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, to be the pastor at Park Avenue United Methodist Church, and he's moved there just as all of nice. this is unfolding, so I thought, wow, let's just hear from him and what's going on with him and his life and just what's happening in Minneapolis. Yeah. 
It's great. It's great. He's a wealth of knowledge and a, an amazing heart. So it'll be great to have a conversation with him. Hey, what's the temperature up there? <laughs> you know, right now it's like, um, I think it's like uh, 85. It's really disappointing. 85. Because right um, now in Houston, it's 95 degrees and the heat index is 107. Yeah. Gosh. It was 93 at 10 o'clock last night. Yeah, actually, it's 70 degrees right now. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Can you, like, and, cut uh, him off? It's going to be uh, supposed to rain uh, tonight and, then, and some tomorrow, and then Thursday, it's sunny and 75. Oh, that's great. He's the weatherman now. Pod have mercy's weatherman. We turn hey, it over to Greg Taylor. Weather in Minneapolis. What are you seeing out there, Greg? Well, thanks, John. 70 and sunny. Sunny and 75. <laughs> All your smooth hits from Minneapolis, K N That's right. N N. I thought I, I thought it would be interesting for us just to catch up. And you uh, you were here on staff seven years, right? Mercy Street at Chapelwood was it seven? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to Revision, and now you've mm-hmm. just moved to start to be the senior pastor at Park Avenue United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So you have been yeah. right in the middle of a lot of things going on. So I guess just starting, I mean, how, how is Minneapolis, how are you finding it, but how are you particularly finding it like in these days? Yeah, it's, um, thank you. It's interesting because, you know, um, folks in, uh, folks around here have said, um, you know, so, uh, so you come here uh, in a in a, in a pandemic, COVID, coronavirus. Uh, we can't get together, and um, and then um, there's a killing of George Floyd, and there's burning buildings and protests, and um, you know. And then they say, "But hey, uh, welcome to Minneapolis," hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> Just like, I mean, it's got a nonchalant, right? And um, it's um, it is disorienting, to be honest with you. I um, I found out um, it was a, it was the month I'd been here a week when that happened to George Floyd, just four blocks away from where I'm sitting right now. Wow. And I had just finished a planning meeting with a worship planning meeting and um and then it came across the we uh, somebody i can't remember who um uh, let me know and um we were looking at it and uh all this was going so fast and the um then we you know we were able to, I did, we didn't even know who it was at that point it was we didn't know his name and but i saw the video and uh i just I just wanted, uh, um, I just felt like I needed to throw up. Hmm. Um, and it was just so, the look on the, uh, the officer uh, Chauvin's face and people screaming to uh, let him go or let him up, he can't breathe. And, and you hear the gasps of George Floyd and hmm. and the officer not, you know, really is obvious that he's not, he didn't care. And um um, it was, just, it's hard to describe for me. I mean, I, I, I felt ill. I felt, um, um, 
it disturbed. Um, and then, and then um, because we, uh, uh, there's a person on our staff who grew up at the, around that corner. Uh, we started trying to get as much information as we could. And, and um, it was through his resources that, and in relationships that we were able to find out uh, George Floyd's name. Mm. He just called a friend who was, was there on the scene and saw the whole thing. And uh, we were able to get more information from him. And, um, um, and then, you know, another staff person was saying, this is going viral. We need to say something, I think. And um, I'm like, well, you know, what do I say? What am I, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I can't even find what key goes to what door and trying to figure out uh, what to say um, to, in a, to a church I don't know, in a community I've never been to. And uh, it was just, it's just, it was so disorienting. And um and um and heavy and um yeah it's um um i don't yeah i don't know what else to say about it. i'm just it, it's um it's been um um and not to make it about how i feel um yeah. but the, it's um it's tragic for the community for everyone uh, around here and we're in a we're in an area where um a lot of the businesses that you probably saw uh, burning, you know, you on TV. That's right around here. You know, Lake Street is just uh, down the street, and all these Lake Street businesses, you know, immigrant-owned and indigenous sort of restaurants, and it's a great. Um, there's a global market, and um, we have people that live. A lot of folks that live around here, and they're finding, you know, they're finding gas cans behind their garages, and hearing gunfire, finding uh, weapons, rifles, pistols you know, on, on the grass, on the sidewalks that were stashed behind the building um, and um, the flashbangs and the fires and this so traumatic and disruptive. And that's on top of the trauma that many in this community have felt uh, because of the coronavirus and losing their jobs and uh, the health concerns. And so it's trauma on top of trauma. And, um, and um, it's been, um, um, it's been something. And, um, um, but at the same time, so many peaceful, you know, protests and uh, beautiful things happening and uh, yeah. that feel like this is different. Um, I, I don't know that it will be. I hope it will be. And not just hope, but we want, we're trying to act toward that so yeah. that it will be. But um, it just feels different. I don't know if it does for you um, in Houston, but. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. One of the things I think be helpful is, and I, I only know enough to be dangerous. Um, tell people about Park Avenue, the kind of church it is, the makeup. It's a pretty unique yeah. congregation that you've gone to pastor. And I think that would be, it may help people understand the context of the church you're in and the community that you're in. Yeah, so um, Park Avenue has been here um, in the central neighborhood of South Minneapolis for about 130 years, um, a long time, and um, a long history of ministry uh, in the city, presence in the city. Um, I'm still learning uh, about its history, but um, somewhere along the way, they, um, they began this experiment of... Um, of um, moving from just sort of a well, white congregations to a, um, a congregation of cultural diversity. And 
made the shift and the hard work of making the shift in in the uh, probably the late 50s, I think, and then definitely in the 60s and and um, and then up to the present. So it's a um, um, you know it's a um, yeah, diversity is kind of a catchword, but it it's a uh, it's it's diverse in terms definitely diverse in socioeconomic uh, diversity um, um, uh, cultural diversity ethnic makeup um, very um, uh, uh, balance of you know white and black and uh, there's some Latino and uh, Asian um, and so it's this um, it's got a rich history of also reaching out and working in the central neighborhood here and around Minneapolis to, uh, so we have a legal clinic, we have a uh, St. Mary's Health Clinic, we have uh, a Cornerstone Clothing, we have uh, that uh, all are part of, we have the African American Registry here, um, all officing here. Um, and uh, so it's this, had this long sort of uh, intentionality toward uh, um, contributing to the lives of people in South Minneapolis. And um, so they, and, and then in terms of when people come, not just from this neighborhood, but people are part of this uh, church that live, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 miles away as well and come from, come regionally into it. Um, the worship uh, is what draws a lot of folks. Um, it's, uh, it's energetic, it's inspired, it's, uh, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's contemporary in a sense, not in the sense of, sort of um <laughs> excuse me for saying this lame contemporary christian music it's 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 got vitality in its in its life because it comes from the experience of uh, a lot of the you know, african-american experience and the the director of music is a is a french dude who um who is uh, very gifted who um um and um you know the it's just, the music is incredible the the singing the um, so, and I can't wait for us to be together because um, I haven't really, I've experienced it more, you know, remotely and not, um, yeah. not in person. And, um, but that's a, that's a big draw uh, for folks. Um, that's why they're here. When I talk to folks about why they're at park and what drew them here and why they're here, they, they stay because of that. And they stay because of the, the um, intentionality in, uh, to mission uh, for folks here. And, um, and also because of it's a it's a church that um, is uh, is diverse, um, and it's there are not many churches like that like this, and um, it's really an honor, and I'm grateful to be um, just a part of this community, um, not just as a pastor. I said this on Facebook the other day, but I'm grateful to be, to be a part of it as a person. I mean, to uh, this is a kind of thing that I I am um, I'm so. Um, thrilled to be um to walk alongside folks and have them walk alongside me and teach me um what it's like to be a church like this that's awesome what is it like on the ground there for you i know that uh this week as we've talked a couple times on the phone there was um there was a swat tank in your uh in your church parking lot yeah Uh, i know that if you look out your window um, the protests come right by your church. And so, uh, and I also know that y'all have a erected um, uh, a memorial um, to George Floyd, uh, an, an art memorial. Could you talk about some of that um, in terms of just where you're at right now in that context and, um, mm. you know, how, how, how that's going? 
Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I sent you the picture, Matt, of um, uh, that SWAT tank or whatever it was, <laughs> military vehicle, <laughs> just it parked in our parking lot. I'm, and um, uh, Ann Bauer, who is a, a staff person here, she had she texted it to me, and and uh, I thought, well, it, can that can they do that? Can, <laughs> can they just show up? Do I need to call you a know? trustee? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to call the trustees. Hey, guess what? You know, but they were there. They were there. I guess you know, there was a a, a big march, a peaceful protest going by uh, the the church uh, uh, down Park Avenue, and I I don't know. I mean, they, I guess they were just uh, trying to keep the peace or it was just it was just bizarre though i you know i don't know that i ever thought i would be a pastor of a church that where a swat tank is parked in your driveway or you know in the parking lot mm. and um there's been a strange mix of you know this police presence and uh you know the violence and the looting and the fires and the, and the peacefulness of all this and peaceful protest and um so on the ground now, it's, uh, it's a lot of that has been diffused. I think um, it's um, because of um, I don't know why. I think the arrests of the officers and the charges filed—that's definitely what should have happened a lot more quickly than it did. But um, now it's you know there's still protests and peaceful. Um, I was in a march, uh, participated in a march last uh, Tuesday. Um, led by African-American faith leaders in the city. Right. I mean, just hundreds of people just, you know, I think I, yeah, I, I put, I think I put something on Facebook, but, yeah. um, and, and just amazed at the sheer numbers of people that as we walked down to 38th in Chicago, ground zero there, uh, I mean, these people spilling over into the, you know, all four corners and, and uh, some of the um African-American leaders spoke and then and then we 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 knelt down and all these people, thousands of people prayed the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and um, and then there was silence. Mm. And I just um, you know, those times when you feel like uh, there's something going on, <laughs> you just like yeah. the, you, I just had that sense of this is, you know, um, that God's presence was here in that place. And it's this holy ground kind of every tribe and tongue. I mean, I mean, there are obviously uh, tribes and tongues not there, but, but it just felt like that, right? Um, uh, white people, you know, people from every different kind of skin hue uh, were there and uh, the silence is just gripping. Um, the next day on Wednesday, we, um, uh, right after it happened, one of our a uh, couple of our artists at, at Park they were inspired to create a mural, and so um, I said, "Yeah, let's you know let's do this." And and so it's about a six foot mural, and um, and I thought, well, well, let's create a prayer garden of remembrance for for all of this, so that and and as a gift to the community around us, so that we don't forget. And so they put this they they created this big mural and. Um, and then on Wednesday, we had a mural dedication service yeah. for that mural and then a prayer garden. And all these people gathered and we were able to uh, do that and pray together and then close that with eight minutes, 46 seconds of silence. Mm -hmm. And again, in that silence, there was a, that, that, that presence of God. You, I was, 
you just feel, or I felt, and I think others did too, that uh, this is uh, something's going on here, and um, and uh, so that's the sense of this. There's this sort of um, um, uh, holiness, in a sense of, of of justice and shalom, and something different happening. Um, and, uh, and at the same time, there's still a lot of need. You know, there are folks uh, that are suffering um, because of COVID, because of the violence, and because of losing their businesses and um, in this neighborhood. And um, so we're trying to reach out to them in, in COVID-safe ways. And so we're things like, you know, we're uh, tomorrow we're doing a big tent thing in our parking lot to with the, with the health clinic and the legal clinic and a food giveaway and. Um, all these different tents set up and then also the, the spiritual support and emotional support because um, so many folks are dealing with trauma and, mm -hmm. and uh, they, need, uh, they need folks to, uh, I, think that, I think they need folks like us, the church, to just listen to their stories. What's it like to be you and how can we hear you and support you and pray with you and then connect you to uh, trauma-trained specialists who can help them walk, uh, help you walk through this and, and deal with stuff. The children, dude, I mean, the children, um, mm. the, you know, we had a, um, a, um, a, a prayer march um, on Sunday and we hosted too and they came, the first stop was at our mural outside our building. And there was um, um, one of our um, uh, women, ladies, a member, African-American lady, beautiful woman, uh, prayed. And, and the passion coming out of her being just to, uh, uh, for the sake of mothers and their children, it was just this sort of guttural, passionate, a plea um, mm. uh, to God and to all of us to um, uh, to not let this go by. Um, that our children, uh, our children's lives are at stake, um, and um, praying for the trauma that they've endured and and still endure, um, and lamenting and grieving and imploring God and the community uh, to, um, to something uh, different than what we've been, um, to imagine a way of being um, that is healing mm -hmm. and equitable and just. And um, it was just, yeah, it was just powerful. It's just, mm -hmm. um, I'm getting you know, emotional just uh, talking about it. And uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot of that going on and there's a lot of, there's a lot of unity and a lot of uh, togetherness. And at the same time, there's a lot of conversations that still need to be had. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I think this can be a catalyst for sustaining conversations of, for racial justice and healing among the faith community. And I think Park is uniquely positioned uh, in the community to, um, to host and even lead those conversations and be and definitely be a part of that. So I'm excited about what that's going to look like going forward. You know, we we've, we've had conversations and we're going to have a lot more with um, voices that we need to be listening to. Uh, you know, as 
a white man. There's a lot of voices that I realized. Mm. I think I've been listening, but I don't know how well I've been listening. And mm. so we want to open that door more and more. But I guess, you know, just from my perspective, I get the sense and feel that this is a significant pivot point or inflection yeah. point in our history of um, racism and racial uh, disunity in, in our country. I don't know. I don't, I don't mean that to say this is going to start the road to fixing it all, but what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know, you know, I grew up in South Georgia and I guess I even mistakenly thought Minnesota is like, that can't be a place where there's <laughs> racism. Yeah, there's too many Lutherans mm-hmm. up there, right? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just my stupidity yeah. and my ignorance, you know, because anywhere there are people of different races, right. you're going to have <laughs> racism. But, you know, the South is one of that, is, is that place in the space where people can easily point to the generalizations and the mm-hmm. stereotypes and, and the history. There's a lot of bad history uh, as well. But, you know, when it was Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we were supposed to be up there in May for, for a general conference, mm-hmm. that was, I guess, not the place I would have thought the light would have shined in the darkness. But what are your thoughts on this whole thing as, as a pivot point, and if it, just the feeling of it? Mm-hmm. And what do you see comes from here for people like us and the questions we need to ask and the ways that we need to listen? Mm. A great question. That is a great question. You know, I, John, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I am no expert on any of this. Um, I, you know, my sense is that, you know, I agree with you. Uh, listening is key. Um, uh, and um, I think, um, I think, you know, white folks and uh, I mean, I'm a white guy. You guys are white guys. Uh, we're white pastors. I think, I do think that we need to uh, listen to the black community and um, we need to be taught by them. We need to be led by them. I don't think we need to, we're in the position to be prescriptive um, about what's next. I think we need to be, we need to follow their lead. Um, uh, and I do think in a lot of ways, you know, the, the, the black community has, has been waiting for um, you know, white folks to actually get off their butts and and uh, and um, learn the history, uh, but also take action and understand that we have to move beyond. Um, you know, racism is not whether or not you identify yourself as a racist. I mean, there's, there's surely that, but to understand um, racism in structural way, uh, the structural sort of permeation of racism, the systemic uh, outflow of that um, in terms of, you know, education and health care and employment and wages and housing. Uh, and this has been baked into our mm-hmm. American way of being uh, for 400 years. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't know, uh, you know, years ago, I, I didn't know that. I, I didn't realize that. I didn't, um, you know, I, I felt like I didn't learn some of this history that it, it maybe it was revisionist or maybe I wasn't paying attention. That's likely, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it was, um, I just didn't feel like I was 
aware of all this and that it is the air we breathe this it's it's cultural it's um and we're i think um this is a this is a pivot point i think a catalyst for us to uh open our eyes a little bit and our uh, maybe a lot uh, open our hearts and our minds to begin understanding uh george floyd the the knee in his neck um that's um uh that's been going on for a very very long time hmm. and um and i think that it this and seeing that um and the way it's communicated and documented now for people to see then it becomes a a place for white folks to say oh okay something something's there's something's going on we need to i need to think different. i need to learn more and and i think there are ways to do that and um you know, you guys are doing that at uh, at Chapel Wood and with Curate and um, and uh, um, um, you know. So those are, um, I, I think, education is a is a huge thing. Not that it solves all the problems, but mm. it, we have to understand where we've come from and its impact on our present and our future. And then I think there, you know, in terms of the church, uh, uh, you know, I like Cornell West. You know, great philosopher. I love that guy. But he talks about a spiritual and moral awakening, right? That needs to happen, um, and that's part of it as well. And um, repentance and moving into a allowing God to take our imaginations to a more, you know, dream you know, our minds to expand and to think differently and bigger and more expansively, and uh, that's all part of it as well. Hmm. But I, I, I'm willing to. Um, I know, um, I'm willing to learn from our black brothers and sisters. And I think the church needs to, to, um, to centralize them in terms of leadership, uh, and decentralize, you know, ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, our white selves and put them, elevate them, follow them because they, they need, um, they, they need us to ally, you know, with them. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. I mean, I think you're right. There's, um, I think the the listening that that is called on right now is a listening that is coupled with a lament, so that it gets into us and that we're mm-hmm. it's able to do the work of the spirit. So it's not, it's. I know that oftentimes I'll, uh, I've I've been um, I've been kind of playing with the metaphor of therapy almost that it's it's this it's this work of saying what else what else what else so I can not so that other people can tell me what what the history is but so I can let that in and it can do its work inside of me um, in a deep spiritual way because I think that this is really at the end of the day spiritual work and I think it's the spiritual work mainly of um, of the white community to deconstruct this apparatus that's been constructed around us that we were born into that the spirit at the end of the day wants us to be freed from and so that we can be free for um, the work in the world in a, in a new and different way. Um, as a, as a pastor kind of showing up, I find it really like you just kind of describing, you know, um, first of all, you kind of enter to Minneapolis in a pandemic, you know, well, you're in a new state, you're away from Texas, you know, so that's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, that, that's tough in and of itself, you know, for Texans that get, you know, you know, like you get far beyond Texas, you kind of feel like, oh no, what do I do? So you're in a new city, <laughs> you're not just a new city, it's a, you're in a new country, you know? He's and, lost. 
<laughs> and you're in a you're in a midst of a pandemic where you can't knowing who you are you can't you're a high touch person and you can't touch folks you know i mean you can't gather folks you can't do yeah. the deep work and then this like so where do you how are you finding your own orientation where's that coming from what are you relying on what, what are you um how are you making your way and what's orienting you <laughs> uh, wow uh, again I, I am i am i feel disoriented mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i feel ill-equipped i feel inadequate i feel you know and of course you know self-doubt um you know um sort of um uh, is always circling my brain. <laughs> so this is great. These a, are all the ex, these are all the central qualities of a senior pastor. So I'm glad right. to hear. I know, and um, uh, friends, you know, people in Minneapolis are gonna if they hear this, they're gonna go, well, "What's up with this guy?" You know, buyer's <laughs> remorse. <laughs> buyer's remorse. You know. Yeah. No. I, so, um, I in terms of orienting um um friendship um i mean this is really helpful you know to talk with you um you guys and uh this is an amazing community mm -hmm. amazing group of people here um and i tell you that uh i think the most orienting thing to me the thing that has centered me and helped give me confidence is um uh, the black community here who have generously said, uh, you know, um, when I've asked them to walk me through some things have, or to check this out, I, you know, I want to check this before I print it or before I speak it or before I record it and let them speak into it. That has, wow. and, and listening to them and, and when they say, uh, when they say, yeah, that's a go, um, that's, <laughs> That's that is really good for me, you know, and that's helped me tremendously. We have people, you know, people praying for, you know, um, and reaching out, and um, um, so I am sort of I'm very high touch, and you know, having a community, gathering people around, you know, it's um, um, that's really helpful to me too, and. Um, and so there are folks, even though we can't really gather together, um, folks, there are plenty of folks who have gathered around me and, and I uh, reached out, um, and, uh, that's oriented me as well. Um, and to be honest with you, just, um, uh, you know, um, uh, breathing and closing my eyes and, and, and confessing or admitting to God that, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm powerless here. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, and just saying, you know, uh, you know, will you help me? Mm. Um, and then, yeah, trying to listen to that. Humility. That's a, not a bad thing. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm proud of my humility. So, <laughs> So proud. <laughs> so proud. Yeah. Hey, you're not going to, you're not going to, you're going to keep the, uh, the area, 
the boots going right, and even in oh, yeah. Minneapolis, I've, I've got them on. You do got them on now, and uh, <laughs> and and folks up here have commented on that. They don't and, know what an ostrich is in Minnesota, do they? <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Um, have they commented they on say, your boots? They say, oh yeah, he's got his Texas boots on, uh, um, and they're saying, dude, that ain't gonna work. Um, you know, come November, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna. We need to we need to we need to get you some some Minnesota boots, <laughs> some fur-lined uh, grizzly bear boots. Yeah, so you know the standard the standard protocols on all the calls I've been in with churches and medical leaders. You know we're fortunate down here, as you know, to have Texas Medical Center, and so Mark Boom mm-hmm. has been on this podcast. He's the president and CEO of Houston Methodist, and he's been a great personal resource to bounce things off of but yeah the distancing is going to be key so you're talking about blocking off every other pew you're talking about families can sit together households can sit together but then you're going to have to have six feet of separation so how many people you can get in the sanctuary is dependent upon how many people come together versus how many people come you know a onesie (laughs) <laughs> so if you have, if everybody comes like by themselves and they're not connected, you're going to have fewer people if you distance. Whereas if you have a yeah. family of six and a family of four or five, but you know, they're encouraging us not. So in our early phases to not sing, <clears throat> to no congregational singing. Well, that stinks. You know, you're talking mm-hmm. about, can you really, what's that going to be that I come in from my car, I wear my mask. I sit in my pew. Once I'm distanced, I can remove my mask if I want, or I can keep it on. I watch the service. I hear some music. Mm. And then when it's done, I'm released out to go back to my car. We don't have social parlors now. There's no coffee station. There's no donut Mm -hmm. station. Not at least in these early phases. So you have to phase it in, and you have to start out strict and then loosen it up. Because part of one of the things we talked about with Mark Boom is that there's behavioral modifications that people are already learning. So think about Mm -hmm. how many people, you said you're a touchy-feely guy, right? You're a contact person. I didn't say touchy-feely. Well, I put that in there. I think you're actually very touchy-feely. I am not touchy-feely. You're a sensitive man, Greg Taylor. You should be proud of it. I'm a sensitive man. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. But the point is, think of all the people <laughs> that you had your touchy-feely relationship with before. Hey, just stop using that. Term, okay? just, uh, yeah, just stop. Okay? Think about the people that you and I interacted with on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Hands we shake, hugs we give. We're sitting across. We're leaning in. We're praying with people. And think now, mm-hmm. since this, we, we're not doing that. Yeah. And even when we're around people, sure. we have masks. We're distanced. We elbow bump. You know, I can't remember the last time I had a hug, you know, from Mm -hmm. someone that wasn't in my household. And so all of these Mm. things are behavioral modifications that we've made. And what happens is now people have to start practicing those when they come to church. They're learning them at a restaurant. They're learning them in a grocery store. They're learning them in an airport. But they haven't been back to church. And I think some people mistakenly think they're going to come back to church and it's going to be like it was when it stopped. Mm-hmm. And so I think the managing the expectations for people is going to be hard. Because like you said, you have a dynamic worship experience at Park uh, Avenue, and it's going to be different when people come back. I mean, are, they, are the congregation going to be able to sing along? Are, are now as the choir or the song, the singers are going to have to spread out different? They're going to have to do things differently. It just alters the whole vibe of, of 
what we do. So in some ways, we're kind of in this in-between season until we get to vaccine day. Mm. <laughs> yeah, vaccine day. What, so when, what, what, what's the Sunday you guys are going to start that? June 28th. Um, June 28th, okay. June 28th. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And most, like a lot of folks I know in Georgia are looking at July, um, what is it, 12th, the second week of July. I know some mm-hmm. churches, like I've heard some churches, like like a church that's very liturgical, that does a lot of psalter, that does a lot of responsive, like if it's a, you know, I think of St. Paul's, for example, yeah. here in Houston, more formal, high church, traditional, quiet, there's heavy influence on the choir. They can't really do their style of worship with these restrictions. Uh, not well. I mean, not the way they want to. Right. So they have to figure out how to adapt and decide, you know, when we come back, what does it look like? So mm-hmm. we feel like we, you know, my philosophy is, well, we got to start. We're, we're, we're seeing a little uptick in Houston. We're probably going to see a spike, too. You got Memorial Day. You had a, a huge 60,000-person uh, rally and protest last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We have the viewing and the funeral today and yesterday. So, man, I watched the funeral. I don't know if you watched it today, but you've, there was no social distancing. Even at the beginning of the funeral, the, the right. preacher said, we're just going to forget distancing today because we need to be there for one another, which I, I can't fault that. But it's, mm-hmm. you know, you pay a price at some point, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, it's a, the, you know, in terms of the church, I mean, we, how do you, you, you want to, um, the health of your people and is, is got to be at the top of the list, right? And not yeah. exposing folks um, unnecessarily to something, especially the, those who are most vulnerable, the, uh, elderly and that kind of thing. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. And, um, well, I'm. I, I, what I'd love for you guys to do is to put together a, um, like a procedure manual, and um, and then um, get that to you. Get, it get to that you. to me by end, end of <laughs> end of day Friday. Is that good for <laughs> you? <that> work. <laughs> uh, let's wait. Let, 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 I, we got some time, so we could do it after after what June twenty eighth or whatever it is when you're going. So when we find out all the mistakes that we've made, oh we for can sure. Learn. Yes, I don't want. Good. I don't want this. You know, I don't want you know pre failure. I want post failure. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> trial and error is the, the way yeah. humans learn yeah. and you want us to find out all the errors you want us to win the darwin award before you have to <laughs> absolutely absolutely well dude you've been in my prayers i know you've been right in the middle of a lot of activity and probably more to come i know um mm. i heard as i was watching the the funeral that the intention of a lot of justice advocates in this particular you know they want to be up there when this case goes to hearing and goes to pretrial and goes to court so you know it's going to be followed minneapolis is going to be in the center of this for a while so Mm -hmm. just want you to know you're in our prayers and our thoughts and to know also i think that i think about kind of leaders that are um given to certain times i think about you know, John being a leadership here at this church now, you being in leadership there. I feel like that these are kind of God appointed times for to, to to lead in particular ways. You know, and and although you feel inadequate, 
um, there are folks all around you that know uh, for a fact that you've been prepared for this time, you know, mm. and uh, and also know the way that you'll lead will be done with deep humility and connection and 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 grace. And so we just uh, we rejoice in that. Mm. Yeah, we yeah. love you, man. Love you, dude. Love you guys too. I'm John Stevens, and I'm Matt Russell, and I'm Greg Taylor, and this has been Pod Have Mercy.